Pia Ferenkoff, the woman who lived in Michigan, and Pia was what you might have called a loner. All right, she didn't have any close friends. She wasn't close to any of her family members. She lived a very solitary life. Uh, in addition to that, she traveled out of the country a lot for work, for vacation. She'd be gone sometimes weeks, even a month at a time. So because of that, her neighbors didn't know her either. I mean, they never really saw her around. But you know what? If they noticed that her grass was getting a little long, they'd go and cut it for her. They were very kind to her, despite not really knowing who Pia was. But after a while, it had just seemed like a long time since anybody had seen Pia Ferenkopf. They weren't really sure what to think until one day, the bank foreclosed on her house. After the bank did that, they sent a contractor out to examine it, and that was when they found Pia. They found that she had died inside of her garage. But you know what? They eventually learned that she had actually been dead for six years inside of her garage. No one knew. Because, you see, all of her bills were set to be automatically paid from her bank account. So it was only when her account dried up and the mortgage wasn't paid, that the bank foreclosed, and then they discovered her. They weren't even looking for her when they came. Six years, and no one missed her. No one called. No one was there for her, presumably because she chose to live life alone. That's... That's a sad and lonely way to live life, isn't it, church? Yet this is what a lot of Christians do in their faith. I've met many professing Christians who choose to go through their spiritual lives alone. Now don't misunderstand me. As followers of Jesus Christ, the Lord is always with us. Amen? But we are also supposed to be connected to the body of Christ. The fellowship of believers, the family of God. We were not meant to be loners in our faith. Sadly, that's what some Christians choose to be. When as a result, they don't, they don't have fellow believers to rejoice with them in those great moments of life and to mourn with them in the difficulties. They don't have fellow believers there to encourage them with Scripture or to pray for them, to check in on them. Believer, let me ask you, do you feel connected to the body of Christ? This is an important thing for all of us believers. Because when we are walking in close fellowship with other Christians, that's when we're going to find that we're able to help each other grow in our faith. We'll be there to encourage and pray for one another. And, and when we're walking with each other, we'll be able to live in the joy of the family of Christ. So as we look forward to a, a new year and, you know, people are going to make goals and resolutions and you might be doing that, as we look forward to this new year, my prayer is that we would make it a focus and a goal here at First Baptist Church of Oxford that we would be better connected as family in Christ so that we can grow together and encourage and support and serve one another. See, here's the thing. Being together is better in the Christian life than being alone. 
I want us to look at some truths about that in Colossians chapter 3. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn there with me. Colossians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to follow along. So if you don't have a Bible, I'd encourage you to use one of those Bibles under the seat in front of you. If you'd like to use one of those, you can turn to page 955. Page 955. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 12, and where we're picking up in Colossians chapter 3, Paul is writing this letter, and he just talked about the truth uh, that as Christians, we're all equal in Christ Jesus. All right. So as those who are on equal ground in the eyes of the Lord, how should we live our lives? Look what Paul says in verse 12. He says, Therefore... As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Hey, believer, just for a second, uh, do these things describe us that Paul just mentioned? Would we each say, yeah, that describes my life right there? As individual Christians, we need to ask, do we live with compassion and kindness towards others, and with humility about ourselves? Do we treat others with gentleness and patience? I like how the NIV puts it, that we are to clothe ourselves with these things. Those dirty rags of sinful living, those have been thrown off once we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Now we need to put on the clean clothes of Christian living. These things that Paul mentions here, this is what the Christian should look like. Do we? Do we look like this? Does this describe how we're living? There's this popular video going around online about this guy, and he, he kind of looks, his face kind of looks like a very well-known NBA player, so a professional basketball player. And he wanted to see if he could pass for that player and actually get into the team facility and on the court. Uh, so he didn't have like any credentials. He didn't have an ID. He didn't have anything. He just put on the team jersey and shorts, put on a headband, and he went for it. And you know what? He got all the way to the court and was shooting around before anybody actually realized what was going on. All he had to do was put on the clothes, and he looked just like a legitimate player. You know, in a, in a sincere and genuine way, Christians, we are to clothe ourselves in compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, because this is what the Christian should look like and should live like. And when we're living like this, it's going to spill over into how we live among each other, which Paul describes next. Look at verse 13. He says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let's go ahead and pause right here. So now we look at how we're supposed to live with each other, Christians. 
But how can we fulfill these things if we're never with one another, believers? You see, what these verses assume that the Christian knows, and what Christians did know in the early church, but sadly many have forgotten today, is this. We're supposed to be with each other, Christians. I'm going to say that again. We are supposed to be with each other all the time. There's this idea that a lot of professing Christians have today that they don't need to go to church and be with the body of Christ. Why? they got a Bible at home. They can listen to pastors online or on TV. They can pray and sing to God all by themselves. Well, look, those things are true, and those are things that are good to do, but this is also true. If we love Jesus, then we're going to love the things that Jesus loves, right? That would make sense. Well, Ephesians chapter 5 tells us that Jesus loves the church so much, he laid down his life for her. Well, well, in that case, shouldn't we love the church? And if we love the church, then we, we should desire to be with the church, shouldn't we? Not, not just begrudgingly once a week or when it's convenient. No, no, no. That's tolerance. We should desire to be together often. That's love. And love is supposed to be a distinguishing mark of God's people. Listen to what Jesus said. In John chapter 13, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said, By this, everyone will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. But believers, how, how can we love one another if we're never with each other? If I said I love my kids, and then I choose not to spend time with them even when I'm available, what would that say about me? In fact, Casey, she asked our, our oldest son, Judah, not too long ago, she asked him, what are some things that she and I do that show him that we love him? And, and one of the answers that he gave her is that we play with him. That we play with him. Just, just playing with him. Just being with him shows him that we love him. And Christians, if we, if we love the church as Jesus did, then we... We should want to be with the church, right? We should want to be with each other. Not, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week. Not just at church, but in our daily lives, in our homes, in our activities. We should desire to, to be together. And that love isn't going to just drive us together. It's also going to drive us into unity. Unity together. We're actually going to get along when we're with one another. Now listen, when I say that, that doesn't mean that we're not going to make mistakes. I'm not saying that we're not going to hurt each other, that we won't bother one another. Like, you, you've seen how families work, right? It's just going to happen. We're still imperfect. But, but in Christian love, we're told to bear with one another and to forgive each other. Truth is, some of us, we struggle with that. It's hard sometimes, right, to bear with each other and forgive one another. Yeah, we could learn a, a lesson from Johnny and Bobby. Johnny and Bobby, two little boys, they were the best of friends, Johnny and Bobby. But one day, they got into the nastiest fight that two little boys can get into. They just blew up at each other. And then that was that. But the next morning, Johnny was 
Walking out the door, he grabbed his hat and said, see you, Mom. Going to Bobby's house. His mom said, Bobby's house? Did you guys just have a big fight? Did she say you weren't friends anymore? And Johnny stood there and said, oh, yeah. He said, well, you know what, Mom? That's okay, because me and Bobby, we're good forgetters. And he walked out the door to Bobby's house. Well, Christians, we do well to act in a similar way towards one another, right? When we do hurt each other, we do offend one another, that we would be quick to forgive one another, to forget the offense, to move forward in Christian love. That's something for us to work on. Paul really put it in perspective. He said, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You see... When, when your fellow unbeliever does something that seems unforgivable, you need to remember that God forgave the seemingly unforgivable things that you and I have done. When your fellow believer seems unbearable, we need to remember that God has shown great long-suffering towards you and I, believer. When your fellow believer seems unlovable, Remember that God loves us when we act in all sorts of unlovable ways. And you know, when we realize these things, it becomes a whole lot easier to live in unity and in peace with one another, even when we do make mistakes, even when we do hurt one another. But here's the thing, all these things, this this love, this unity, this peace, this forgiveness, all this starts with being together. But, but there is more to being connected with the family of Christ. There, there is more than just regularly showing up for a church service. Okay, because the truth is, you, you can do that. You can just sneak in and out of church services. Uh, but that's not being connected. In fact, that's what Christians all over our country and all over the world, that's what a lot of Christians do. They just show up. And they, they pop in, and then they pop out of church services. And, and sadly, it's many of those believers who will say things like this. They'll say, you know, no one cares about me. They'll say, I was sick, and no one checked in on me. I go to church, and no one knows my name. That's a heartbreaking thing, and I'm heartbroken when believers feel this way. But there is something that we need to understand and remember, Christians, and it's this. Um, being together, showing up, is the first step. But we also need to be intentional about those times when we are together, if we want to connect and grow in our faith. In other words, there's, there's more to it than just showing up. All right, I want us to see some of that. Look at verse 16, Colossians chapter 3. Let's see what, let's see what Paul says. He said, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. When we are with the body of Christ, we are supposed to let the, the message or the word of Christ, that's the Bible, to richly dwell among us. Uh, God's word should be central in everything that we do in our lives as Christians and in our church when we gather together. Because when we stand firmly on God's word, that's going to unite us even in tough times. 
It's going to unite us together even when this world attacks us, when the world calls us bigots. We're going to be united because we're standing firmly on God's truth. God's word should dwell richly among us. Uh, Some of you might remember this. We once had a large Bible that, that sat out right here in the front of the sanctuary. Sat out here in the sanctuary. Uh, but, you know, over time, as the sanctuary has been redecorated and rearranged as time has gone on, that Bible was eventually moved. It sits in the back counseling room here, actually, on a table where you can see it. But when that happened several years ago, when it was moved, there was this accusation that was made. And the accusation is that we were trying to get rid of God's word here at First Baptist Church of Oxford. I want you to rest assured, church, we want God's word to dwell richly among us here at FPCO. And I want you to understand that the day that God's word is not held as the supreme authority here is the day that I will leave, and I hope that you will leave too. Scripture is the supreme authority for Christian living. It's the revealed truth of God to us so that we can grow in our faith and become more like Christ. And what are we supposed to do with it? Paul says one of the things we're supposed to teach one another with it, with wisdom. You see, it's true that you can and should read your Bible at home every day and learn from it. You should be doing that. But then, then we should also come among our fellow believers to continue in that learning. Many of us are probably familiar with the proverb. This is Proverbs 27, 17, which tells us that as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. See, when we come together to study God's word, we, we get the benefit of learning from one another, helping one another as we grow. And when we talk about teaching one another, we're, we're talking about more than just listening to a sermon, okay? So I try and explain to people all the time that these worship services, these are a blessed time, aren't they? I love these services. But you also need to get plugged into things like Sunday school and small groups and home Bible studies. Because you know what? That's where you get to go even deeper in your study. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you raise your hand when I'm preaching, I'm not calling on you. Okay? You can ask me questions afterwards, and some of you do, and I love that. But being in that small group setting in Sunday school or in each other's homes or here at the church, it's this opportunity to to learn from one another, to dive deeper into those questions, to benefit from both the questions and the answers that other believers bring, other believers who have been growing in their knowledge of God's Word. We're to teach each other in this way. That's part of God's Word dwelling richly among us. And we're also supposed to admonish one another. You know, that word admonish, one of the things that it means is to warn each other. To warn each other. You see, as family in Christ, we're supposed to look out for each other, Christians. The Bible tells us that our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. You see, the devil wants to bring doubt and discouragement and temptation to God's people. We need to look out for our family in Christ. If we see a fellow Christian start to live in sin, live in an ungodly way, we need to lovingly and biblically address that. We need to warn them the dangers of sinful living. Now, 
We don't do that in a hypocritical way, do we? No, because what did Paul already say? We're supposed to clothe ourselves in what? In humility. So we still handle this the right way. We recognize that we are fellow sinners, but we need to care for one another. We need to warn each other about all these things that surround us, all this sin, all this temptation. I'm sure that many of us remember the wildfires that devastated Maui earlier this year. And if you remember that, you might remember that one of the big criticisms as a result of that whole thing was that the main warning signals, the outdoor alarms on the island, they were never activated. People died. Lives were ruined because a lot of people, they didn't get the warning in time. Christians, I want you to understand, sin ruins lives. It destroys lives. We may not like the thought of admonition, of that warning, of that that loving correction in the moment, but that's one of the ways that we look out for one another. That's one of the ways that we care for one another. There are dangers lurking around everywhere, and how unloving and unkind it is when we see our fellow Christians living ungodly lives and we choose not to gently correct them warning them of the dangers of that sin. Now, that's one of the things that the family of Christ is supposed to do. We're supposed to look out for each other this way. There's a right way to do it. There's a loving way to do it. But we need to do it as family in Christ. Of course, lest we think that's all this fellowship is about, that's far from true. Paul said we also praise God together, don't we? Through psalms, hymns, and songs of gratitude in our hearts. You see, when you put your faith in Jesus, in that moment you became a part of the family of Christ and the body of Christ. But now you need to be with the body of Christ, believer. And then you need to intentionally look to grow alongside other Christians. In fact, when you get connected this way, studying God's word together, praising God together, lovingly holding one another accountable to righteousness, when you do these things, that's when you'll find that, that you are growing in your faith. And that needs to be our desire. Our desire, church, should be that we would connect with one another, with the body of Christ, so that we can grow in our faith with each other. That should be our desire. We, that we're not coming here to check off a box, but that we're coming here to grow in our faith together. And, and you know what one of the great things is? When you're growing in your faith with other Christians, you find that suddenly you go from... Uh, from Sunday morning acquaintances, and then soon as you get connected, you, you find that those are believers that you can rely on, you can call on when you need them. Those are believers who are going to look out for each other. That's something we should desire. But listen, if you're still sitting here thinking to yourself and trying to convince yourself that you don't need these things, that you can still go it alone without the family of Christ in case any of us are still thinking that, Please understand, you're going to miss out on a lot of spiritual growth if you do that, Christian. You're not going to have the great benefit of learning from one another in that way. You're going to miss out on the encouragement that we all need in this sinful world so that we could walk in righteousness. You're going to miss out on that. Not only that, but you've got to understand, you can't even fully obey Christ apart from being with a fellowship of believers. For example, we've been commanded to use our spiritual gifts to serve one another. 
We've been commanded to bear one another's burdens. How do we fulfill commands like that apart from one another? If you want to love what the Lord loves, then love the church. And if you want to grow exponentially in your knowledge of God's word and your walk with the Lord, then be connected to the church, believers. Look, as we approach a new year, it can be a great thing to set resolutions and goals in your personal life. That can be a great thing. As a church, let's make it our goal that this year that we would become more unified, more connected together as we pursue Jesus Christ. Let that be our goal. Here's the challenge today, church. It's this. Let's focus this year on walking closely with the body of Christ so we can help each other grow in our walk with Christ. Let our focus be walking closely with one another so that we can grow in our walk with the Lord. That's my encouragement. That's my challenge to you for 2024. And maybe you're here and you've been coming to church regularly, but you know it's time for you to take that step connecting in a deeper level to the family of Christ. If that's where you're at, let me encourage you, join a Sunday school class. All right? Join a Sunday school class. Our Sunday school classes from kids through adults are at 9.30 in the morning on Sunday. Join a Sunday school class. We've got incredible teachers, incredible classes going on every week. I'd encourage you, join a small group. You might be thinking to yourself, 9.30 a.m., that's early, Pastor. We know what the great thing is. Small groups meet all throughout the week at all different times. There are some in the evening. There are some in the middle of the day. There's a lot of variety there. Get plugged into a small group. Another way is to get plugged into a serving team. Pastor Brandon talked earlier about some ways that you can get plugged in. All right? Where you can use your spiritual gifts and obey the Lord that way. And where you can get connected to that team. I love seeing our serving teams and how they work so well together. How they know one another. They care for each other. I love seeing our food pantry team work together. And the social team work together. And the trustees work together. And the, the kids ministry volunteers. It's another great way to get plugged in. And maybe you're here and you're doing some of those things. But maybe for you... The next step is to officially join the church body. Show your commitment to the local congregation. Look, believer, however it is that you need to respond to those things, you might have questions, come see me at the front during the invitation song or find me at the back after the service. And maybe you're here, believer, and you're doing all those things. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, Sunday school? Check. Small group? Check. Serving? Check. And if that's where you're at, first of all, thank you for being connected to the body of Christ. Thank you for serving. And if that's where you're at, I want to encourage and challenge you. Make it your goal this year to help others get connected to the body of Christ. Okay, find someone else. Invite them to your class. Go out of your way to invite someone to your small group. Invite somebody to serve the Lord alongside you. Invite someone to be a part of that with you. So that we can grow in our faith together, church. That's my encouragement to you. That's my challenge to you as family in Jesus Christ. But if you're here and Jesus is not your Savior, you've never gone in for forgiveness, He's not the Lord of your life, never put your faith in Him, if that's where you're at, I need you to understand something. I need you to understand if Jesus is not your Savior, then you are not in the family of God. Okay? That also means that God is not your Heavenly Father. 
despite what some people in the world might say. That's not what the Bible says, okay? If Jesus isn't your Savior, then God is not your Heavenly Father. In fact, the Bible says if Jesus isn't your Savior, then you are actually a child of the devil. And you see, the bad news is, if you remain that way, then after this life, you're going to be forever where the devil's going to be forever. That's in a place called hell. That's bad news. The good news is that God wants you to be a part of his family. God wants to rescue you from the penalty of hell. God wants to save you from your sin. And the proof of that is that Jesus Christ came to this earth and died on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven of them, so we could be pardoned from the penalty of hell. And the Bible is very clear that the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will be forgiven of all your sin. You'll be rescued from hell. And in that moment, you become a part of the greatest family on earth, the family of God, a family that's going to love you and care for you, a family that we will be with forever in eternity with our Savior. And believers, I am so grateful that we are in the family of God together. I'm so excited for everything that the Lord is going to do in our lives and in this church in 2024. If you would join with me, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for these believers here today. Of all the churches you've blessed me to be in, I've never been in one with as sweet a fellowship as this. I love this church. I pray that you would teach all of us, Father, to love the church the way our Savior does. Wholeheartedly, sacrificially. I pray that we would desire to be with one another. That we would look out for each other. That we would, we would want to grow in our faith with each other. That we would we would lovingly admonish one another, teach one another, that you would help us to connect closer and closer together this upcoming year. And Father, I pray that if there's anybody here today that isn't a part of your family, has never put their faith in Jesus Christ, never entrusted their life to him, never gone to him for forgiveness and salvation, I pray that that would change this morning. I pray that person would be willing to come and talk to me here at the front. That they wouldn't leave without asking those questions that are on their heart. That they wouldn't leave without being able to say that they are sure that they have been forgiven of their sin and that their soul has been saved from hell. And for those of us who can say that, I pray that you would help us to make sure that we don't stop caring for each other when we walk out these doors but that we would care for one another, pray for one another, check in on one another every day of the week. So that First Baptist Church of Oxford would be a place where you are glorified because we are living as family, because we are pleasing you. Father, I'm excited for everything you're going to do here in 2024. We pray to be glorified through it. Father, we love you. But as always, we thank you for loving us so much more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.